Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Thanks. Good morning. A couple weeks ago, I started a message on dating. And uh, I brought in the earth and I brought in some people. Actually, the earth was just a beach ball. And I taped uh, some continents on it. And then I brought some Plato people in. And I wanted to make an illustration. And I want to remind you, I just want to review, because uh, I'm going to continue the message on dating today. And I brought this, this uh, earth beach ball in. And I just wanted to make a connection between God as the creator and how that relates to dating. And the connection was simply this, that God made the heavens, the earth, the clouds, the galaxies, the stars, the animals, and people, right? And a whole lot of other things. So would you agree that God is so, so superior to anything that he's created? Yes. Okay. So when I have that little green Play-Doh man in front of everybody, okay, um, I made that thing. Actually, my son did. But let's pretend I made that thing. And the whole point was, if you make something, you are so superior to what you have made. You make the rules. You call the shots, right? Does that make sense? So if God creates us, He calls the shots. And it's okay. And not only does He call the shots, it's not like God is mean or He's doing it to hurt us. Because God loves us, right? So everything God does is for our good. And so the whole point of that was I introduced you to some commands that God has for dating and in general our sexual purity. And so in other words, we want to do it God's way, not our way. So that was the whole point of that creation illustration. But I, I want to bring that forward again. Okay, it's, it's God's ways. God gave us some commands. So... Today's message, I'm going to talk to you about how to date with purity. And by the way, you think, well, I'm, you know, I'm married. I don't, you know, I don't need to worry about dating. Well, this message is for everybody because just because you're married, do you still have temptation? Yes. <laughs> so we all need encouragement to stay sexually pure, whether we're going to date, whether we're single, whether we're high school, whether we're... 70 years old. So that's what I want to do today. I just want to encourage you with these things. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands, right? So really, it's all about loving God. If I love somebody, if I love Jesus, I'm saying, well, God, I mean, if you said to stay sexually pure until marriage, then I love you. I'm going to do it. I trust you. You know what you're doing. And he does, right? And I was trying to think, well, why would he give us that command? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But he's, if, he, if God says it, it's good enough for me. And he may give me an answer, and you may have an answer for that. If you do, let me know. I'd be interested. And why does God give us certain commands? I don't know. Okay, so what were some of the commands we talked about a few weeks ago? Um, you know, children, obey your mother and father, right? That's a good command, isn't it? And particularly in the context of dating, 
I shared this with you. I said, could you imagine if your son or daughter actually came up to you and said, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, there's this girl I like, there's this guy I like, he wants to ask me out, I'd like to ask her out. What do you think? And Or it's like, hey, Mom, I met this guy in psychology class in college, and uh, he's really nice. I, you know, we're in campus ministry. He's an RD. He's a prayer leader on my hall. You know, what do you think? I, if he asked me out or he's asked me out, you, you know, what do you think? I'd, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be just wonderful? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Uh, so we talked about that. We talked about uh, fleeing youthful lusts. We'll talk a little bit about more about that today. We talked about having self-control, right? A fruit of the Spirit. So if we're followers of Christ, we should be able to control our passions, shouldn't we? We're not like animals. You know, animals go in heat. They can't control themselves. Before I became a Christian, um, we all have a worldview, whether we admit it or not. But my worldview before I was a Christian was, and we had to write this down in high school. I, I uh, I took an advanced a humanities class in high school, and the teacher said, all right, he said, you need to come up with your ethical theory. That's your, that's your worldview uh, years ago. So mine was, well, you know, if it doesn't hurt anybody and it's natural, it's okay. What's the problem with that? <laughs> uh, well, I could hurt, be hurting myself because I'm sinning against God, but I didn't, even know, I didn't even know what God's commands were in that area. So um, I want to make sure you guys know what God expects us to do. Uh, Let's see, we also talked about not getting angry. Uh, Remember I said if if you're dating somebody that has a serious anger issue or serious issues with jealousy or you know somebody that has those and you're thinking of dating them, I said don't. And uh, put the relationship on hold. Just tell the person, look, you know, punching holes in in my wall or my car door, I can't go out with you until you get that taken care of. So you need to do stuff like that. All right, so, um, and I also talked a little bit about dating apps. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about dating apps because I did some research on it. Uh, What I said in the last message was, uh, basically, if you're in high school and college, I I would stay away from them. You know, if if you've been an adult and you're on your own, it's up to you. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about dating apps. And I'm going to talk about how do we walk in purity? Because the last message was you need to walk in purity. This message is how do you actually do it? So that's what I want to talk about. Okay, dating apps. There's this uh, um, company called Kaspersky, and they do uh, parental security software. And actually, uh, we have it at our house. Well, Kaspersky did a study on nine of the most popular apps for dating. And here's what they found. They did a study to see, are these dating apps really safe? You know, are they as secure as they might say they are? So here's just a few bullet points on it. Four of the nine apps they investigated allow potential criminals to figure out who's hiding behind the nickname. Okay? All right, so about half... They can figure out who you are, whether you use a nickname or not. Six of the nine apps, more than half, determine the exact location of the prey. So those that are using a dating app, they're classifying as a prey item. 
Okay, eight of the nine applications, that's about all of them uh, for Android, are ready to provide too much information to the cyber criminals. Okay, so there are, about, there, are, there are more bullet points, but I just want to give you a few. In other words, the security of these dating apps and these online dating sites aren't what you would believe. Okay, so that's one thing that I learned that uh, I didn't know. The other thing I, I, I didn't realize until I started reading, I Googled, um, I just Google searched sexual predators and dating apps. And I'm, I'm just going to read you a few. These are like uh, kind of like the headlines. Sexual predators using Tinder dating apps to find victims. Online dating has created a new type of sexual predator. Counselors warn the dating apps can attract sexual predators. New dating app aims to protect from sexual offenders. I mean, that sounds good. Should sex offenders be banned from dating apps? In other words, they're not. <laughs> okay, so anyone can use a dating app. So what I realize is that this. There's nothing wrong with technology. Technology is not evil. Evil people use technology, right? So it's like YouTube. Um, YouTube is not... The, the technology is not evil, but... You have to have safeguards if you're going to use YouTube. Why do the public schools ban YouTube? <laughs> because everything under the sun is there. You can get a Christian testimony on YouTube. You can see a miracle on YouTube. And you can watch every form of prostitution and other kind of junk and nonsense under the sun. It's on YouTube. So we need to uh, really be careful if we're going to use a dating app. But that's... You know, there's sexual predators out there, but there's another group of people that use dating apps that uh, Minerva actually mentioned this morning, and that's those who do human trafficking. So I researched human trafficking uh, because I've heard a lot about it in, in past years, but more it seems like it was an overseas type of a thing. Well, she's, like Minerva said, it's, it's here. Uh, let me just give you some stats on human trafficking. What is human trafficking? Basically, it's kidnapping guys and girls for the purpose of forced labor and um, prostitution. Okay. That's pretty much everyone's agreed upon definition of human trafficking. $150 billion enterprise. Okay, so there's money in it. That's why people do it, uh, because they're twisted and they want to make some money. <clears throat> they need Christ. Here's what I didn't realize. Virginia is ranked 15th in the U.S. for the most reported cases of human trafficking. I mean, and guess where? It's two and a half hours east of us. It's, the whole, it's from Richmond to D.C. It's that I-95 corridor where all that human trafficking is taking place. So I'm thinking, okay. And it's even made it to our area here um, so, you know, what's the big deal about, what's the connection between human trafficking and dating apps? Well, I'll tell you. You see, I have, I have a testimony I found online. This, uh, this is a college, college grad. Her name was Andrea. Um, Andrea was raised in a Christian home. Uh, she, she claimed to be a Christian, uh, raised with a Christian family. And, you know, she graduated college and she wanted to be married. And have a family. I mean, good things to want. But I guess she was a little impatient 
uh, or whatever, or her guard was down, but she tried a dating app. And she met this guy who told her he was a web designer. So she starts going out with this guy, and, uh, you know, of course, he seems real nice at first. And, um, but this guy was a sex trafficker, and she didn't know about it. So she learned this, as so she explains, here's his strategy. His strategy was if he could drive a wedge between her and her family values, her Christian values, then she would choose him and reject the family and reject maybe even Christianity. And that's exactly what... So he got her to do things that were wrong. He got her to be sexually active. And so he turned her against her family and her faith. Now, you know, she was obviously, you know, you would say weak to be turned that way, but that's not the point. Um, The point was he did turn her and she left her family and moved in with him. Well, then she finds out what he's doing. Uh, One day she sees that he was... Uh, he had a hundred, there were a hundred emails he was putting out a day. He was trolling all these uh, dating app sites um, looking for other people. And finally she realized she'd fallen in love with a guy who was sex trafficking, running a prostitution ring. And so she wants to get out, of, get away from it by then. And he says, well, if you leave, I have pictures and video and and I'll ruin your life. And so he puts shame and guilt and and blackmailed her, basically. And he said, look, why don't you just stay with me? You know, just participate in what I'm doing. And, you know, in a little while you can settle down and have kids and be a stay-at-home mom if you want to. And this guy was just really twisted. (laughs) This is terrible. So anyway, this, this case worked out okay for this girl this guy eventually got re- arrested, um, and he was put in jail. But he was only in jail for two and a half years. Then he's out, free to do it again if he wants to. Two and a half years. Now, the girl, um, she, I think, learned a pretty valuable lesson. And what her words were, uh, she says, My tip is don't date online. <laughs> That's the safest thing that you can ever do because you never know who... A person is pretending to be. You never know. Um, in fact, when when he first uh, when she first went out with him, uh, she said he was he was trolling six other dating apps uh, just right when they were going out. So this guy was like in the business of exploiting the girls. But it's not just girls; it's also guys. It's both guys and girls that are being exploited in this sex trafficking thing. But anyway, the connection is pretty obvious. Um, So I still maintain this is my opinion, this is my suggestion, this is my recommendation. I'd stay completely away from these things until the technology and the security features are more robust and actually working. That's just my take on it. So we'll go into the message now. Um, on dating. Okay, so how how do you date with purity? Well, stay away from the dating apps. <laughs> Sorry. Um, how, it start, where does it start? Where did it start from this girl? How could this girl be drawn away? It started in her heart. 
How do I know that? Because that's what the Scripture says. It's a heart issue. So we want to guard our hearts, don't we? All right, so I want to talk about guarding our hearts. Guys, the classic Scripture, I think I put it up, Proverbs 4, 23. Do we have that one? Yeah. Yeah, we want to guard our hearts, for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Um, Maybe a different translation up there. And, you know, Jesus mentioned, you know, what starts in the heart? All forms of idolatry and sexual immorality and uncleanness. They all start in the heart. So if we can guard what goes into our heart, what do I mean by heart? I mean mind. I mean emotions. I mean our will. So here's the goal. Our mind is like soil. And the images that we put in our minds are like seeds. And they grow like weeds if I put the wrong things in there. So let's say I put in, if I'm looking online and I'm looking at some image that I really shouldn't be watching. That's a seed going into my brain. Let's say I'm out and um, I'm just... I'm looking at somebody in the wrong way. Those are seeds going into my mind. Let's say I'm listening to certain lyrics of music that are really just not good at all. Those are seeds going into my mind. So um, that's my heart. I have to guard against those things coming in. Now, we live in the world. You can't escape these things. You're going to see these things. You're going to hear these things. (coughs) But it's what you do when you see them and you hear them that makes all the difference in the world. So let me give you an illustration. The classic illustration is David and Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11.2. I'll read verse 1. It's not up there. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. So it's kind of like... Um, you know, you're at home with your family and all of a sudden your parents go out and they leave you alone. I mean, Joab and the army, they're all gone. You know, David's kind of hanging out in, in Jerusalem with the women and, and uh, I don't know why he didn't go off to battle, but he didn't. So you're kinda, you could be tested in those situations. Verse 2, Now when evening came, David got up from his bed. He walked around the roof of the king's house And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Okay, so let's let's see what's going on here. David, he's walking on his roof, so he apparently is a higher elevation than a lot of the houses. And so there's a woman bathing. So he sees her. Okay, so the first time he sees her, does he sin? No. No, he just saw her. The temptation came to him. Okay, so there's something going in. So seeds now are going into his brain, into his heart, right? And they go into his mind. And David begins to desire this woman. Okay, and then he starts to entertain it. He starts to chew on it. He starts to meditate. He starts to get into the image that he saw. That's the problem, right? That's what lust is. It's a desire that you're not controlling. And so what does he do? How do I know that? Because that's what the Scripture says. 
he sends and he, he says, hey, who was that woman? Because it's, burnt, it's now starting to burn in his heart. So now he's, he's got to have this woman. He's, he's going to go get her. Verse 4, David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when he had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to his house. Then the woman conceived and she told David and she said, I'm pregnant. Okay, so we know what happened because the scripture tells us what happened. And it's not a good thing, is it? Um, What should David have done? What did Paul tell Timothy? Flee youthful lust. So he walks out. Okay, I'm kind of overlooking here. I'm overlooking. It's a nice night. All the army's gone. Everybody's gone. I'm all by myself. Little test. See a woman bathing. <coughs> That's what he should have done. Right? I mean, honestly, that's what this, that's when, when Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lust, he wasn't kidding. It wasn't some figurative thing. You get out of, you get out of town. You flee. All right. Um, James has something interesting to say about these seeds that go in. James 1.14. James says this, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Is that not exactly what happened to David? It's a process though. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So, when you see the initial image in the theater, online, listening to the initial lyrics, it assaults you. You haven't sinned. If you stare at it, if you meditate on it, if you start imagining things, you're now not controlling a passion that's in you. And now you're being, you're kind of going into the next phase. You're lusting. Lust gives birth to sin because that's what it is. And if you keep doing it, you just might die. That's what it says. It says it brings forth death. You say, I'm born again. I'm not going to die. I'm going to heaven. That's right. You might die, though. You're looking at a beautiful woman and and lusting, driving down the road. You might run into a tree and kill yourself. So, we have to keep these things from going in our ears, and we have to keep these things from going in our eyes the best we can. And if they do make it to our eyes, we need to run. But I want to give you some other ways to guard our hearts, because that's what we're talking about here. Um, David said in Psalm 119.11, he says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, how do we keep the how do we guard our heart is, is what I want to focus on now. And you know, when I when I type my outline up, right after David falls to Bathsheba, the next thing is David says, Guard your you know, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, here he just sinned against Bathsheba in the next statement, so I'm like, Oh, this is not good. How am I going to explain this? Well, the the answer is simply this. Um I've read the Bible for 30 years straight, virtually every single day. I've read my Bible, prayed and praised for 30 years straight. Do I still sin? Yeah. 
So just because you hide the Word of God in your heart doesn't mean you're not going to sin. And if you think you don't sin, John says you're a liar. Right? So, we, you know, we don't need to get down on David. David was a man after God's own heart. When we get to heaven, we'll see him. He will be there. No doubt about that. But he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. David was really into God's word. Listen to this. They're not on the screen, but just listen to, um, listen to his attitude as I read these verses. I'm just going to continue in verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. What's he saying? Hey, God, I, I want to know your word. It's a statement of desire. With my lips I have told all your ordinances of your mouth. God, they're so awesome, I tell everybody. I mean, that's what I do. I tell people. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, God. Your word is so awesome. What you're doing on the earth is so incredible, I can't even help rejoicing. In fact, I'll dance in front of hundreds and thousands of people, and I don't care what they say about me. Oh, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. So David was memorizing God's Word because that's how into it he was. And I will regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your Word. So how am I going to keep my heart from sinning? One way is to read the Word of God, to study it, to meditate on it, tell other people about it, rejoice in it, I mean, it's your life. This, this, this with Christ is your life, right? Yeah. All right, so that's what David would have to say to guard our hearts. Hide the Word of God in our hearts. Um, Philippians, Paul had something to say about it too in Philippians 2.14 through 16. He says this, Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Uh, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. Here's what I want to focus on, verse 16. Holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. How is Paul going to make it? How is he going to finish the race, not running in vain? He's holding something, isn't he? He's holding the Word, this Word of life. This Word produces life, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's holding on to Christ, and he's holding on to the Word of God. That's how he's going to make it. He says, hey, that's, I'm not going to run in vain because I'm going to hold fast the Word of life. So David said it. Paul said it. pastor's been preaching this for <laughs> ever since he took this church. So, I mean, it's just, it's a given. If you don't know the Word of God, what do you have? You know, what do you have? Um, Job had something interesting to say about helping us keep our hearts pure. Job 31.1, this is kind of fun. Job said this, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? What are you saying, Job? <laughs> well, you know, where do, where do the images come? They come into our eyes, right? Have you ever heard the eyes? Uh, somebody say the eye gate. We have an eye gate. We have an ear gate. So these are like portals into the mind. Um, Job's like, you know, this is four or 5,000 years ago. And Job's saying, hey, I know God. I fear God. I'm not looking at these women. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. 
So when I see them, I'm looking at them, I'm going to look in at their eyes. I'm going to look them in the face. You know, I'm not looking around anywhere else. Isn't that cool? I think that was really cool. Guys are more visual than ladies, but ladies still are visual creatures too. And uh, you know, we need to really, you know, pray in the morning. Say, God, help me with help me to keep my eyes. Help me to make a covenant with my eyes and keep them pure. That's that's what's pleasing to God. Um, a friend of mine, a guy that led me to Christ years ago, <laughs> he was great. Uh, he would tell me when he went on business trips that uh, you know he would stay in a hotel by himself, and he didn't. He wanted to keep himself pure. He wanted to guard his heart. So what he would do is he would dismantle the cable connection or the cable box, and he would take it apart and bring it down to the front desk. And say, here, <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> and uh, because he didn't, he didn't need the temptation. He didn't want the temptation. He didn't want to watch cable TV because he knew that that could be an area of weakness for him. And he wanted to guard what went into his eyes. So that really blessed me uh, when he shared that with me. So just some things to uh, keep things from coming into your heart. All right. So now I want to talk about. Uh, some more things. These are some uh, uh, maybe more physical things you can do. Um, it's really about setting the bar high. I mentioned in my last message, what's your attitude? Is it how much can I get away with on my date? Or is it, man, I fear God. I don't want to go near that situation. So I want to I draw a high bar. I want, I want my bar to be really, really high. I'm not even comfortable. I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't like to be alone with a girl or a woman anywhere. I'm uncomfortable with that. And when I went into the public school system to teach, I was a little bit freaked out when I'd have to tutor a girl and be alone with a girl in a classroom. I, I mean, that's just the way I was. So I'd have to, I'm like, wow, can I really do this? <laughs> I'm like, I've got to do this. This is my job. How am I going to do this? And, you know, I just left the door, made sure the door was propped open. But even now in my, you know, I have an office and I have to, I have to collaborate. And a woman came into my office the other day I had to collaborate with. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) So I, you know, I just make sure that my door is, is open. But see, that's just the way I am. I don't. I. I don't want to be alone with any woman anywhere. I don't. I don't. Houses. Nothing. I just don't need that. Um, so, you know, don't put yourself in compromising situations when you're dating. And that's one of the big ones. Like, hey, my parents aren't here. Come on, we're gonna have a party at my house. <laughs> your your red flag should be going up on that. Ding 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 ding. You don't want to go there. You really don't want to go there. Why? Is it sin to go to the house? No. Is it wisdom to go to the house? No. <laughs> no, it's not. It really is not. Um, and when, you know, Debbie and I, by God's grace, it was only by God's grace, we didn't do that. We just wouldn't be alone together in a house. Well, if her roommates were home, I'd go over to her house. That was fine. If my roommates were home, she could come and, and be at my house. That was fine. 
but we just didn't want to do it. You know, you don't need to go parking. You don't need to do it. Is it sin to park your car? No. It's not. Is it wisdom to go parking? No, it's not. It really isn't. All right. uh, (laughs) Romans 13. How would you like to stand up here and give this message? I'm serious. How would you like to stand up here and give this message? It's not an easy message to give. (laughs) Romans 13. All right, Romans 13, 14. Actually, I'm going to read verse uh, 13, which I read actually uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm going to start with that. It's not up there. Let us behave properly. Okay, Paul, what do you mean behave properly? As in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Would you agree that sexual immorality, drunkenness, sensuality, strife and jealousy, God's not into it? Yeah. But verse 14, uh, Steve actually shared this with me last sun, a couple Sundays ago. I really appreciated that. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. In other words, what's the answer to not falling into these other things? It's to put on Christ. What do you mean put on Christ? I go into my closet and I put on my coat. How do you put on Jesus Christ? Well, it's just a figure of speech. For you're going to follow God. You're going to do it God's way. You're going to obey God's commands. That's what it means to put on Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. You fear Him. You want to be holy like He is. Right? But what he says next is really, really fascinating. He says, Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Let me paraphrase it for you. Don't plan on getting in the flesh. Okay, let me, let, me, let me say it again in a different way. Don't plan on the night you're going to go out, don't plan on inviting her over to your house knowing that your parents aren't going to be there. Is that, I mean, doesn't it say that? It says, make no provision for the flesh. In other words, don't plan on getting into the flesh. What's the opposite of that? Plan on being in the Spirit, right? So it's date night, guys. I remember I told you scripturally, guys are the initiators, female, the females are the responders in general, in general, okay? God designed it that way. So guys, it's up to you on date night is you need to make sure that this thing's going to be spiritually pure. And ladies, if the guy is not doing what he's supposed to, you need to correct him and say, I don't think we should do this. This isn't right. You need to have the courage to say this isn't right. Period. He'll respect you for it. He'll be shamed. That's okay. (laughs) He might never ask you out. No. (laughs) But somebody has to stand up for what's righteous, right? It's people, I just want him to love me. I know you do. I know you do. Um, so, what else could we do to help help keep this date night thing pure? Is um, you know, when you go out, where are you going to go? Well, go have fun. I mean, you know, go out to a restaurant, go out to a movie, 
you know, go hiking in, in the mountains. Um, go to, but there should be a spiritual side of dating, wouldn't you agree? I, I grew up, uns, I was unsaved. I got saved when I was 27. So I had 27 years to do it wrong. So I know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. The wrong way to do it is you could care less about God. You could care less about people. You could care less about your friends. You got your date. You got her. She's got you. That's all you want. So you want to get alone and get away from everybody. That's what you do when you do worldly dating. But if you're going to do godly dating, why don't you hang out with some other Christians? Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, let's go bowling. You hang out with your Christian friends. Hey, let's campus ministry is putting on this whatever. Now let's go to campus ministry thing together. I mean, hang out with other people. Why would you do that? Because if there's some mature Christians that you're hanging out with, they can speak into your life. You say, I don't want anyone telling me what messing with my personal time with this person. Well, then you don't want Christianity because Christianity, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm 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 glad I'm so glad Jesus said, well, I don't care if he dies and goes to hell. I'm not messing with him. He's got his own personal faith. No, God pursued me. And I'm glad he did. So there might be like a youth leader in college or high school or your RD or some kind of spiritual leader who says, hey man, tell me about tell me about Tanya. You know, what's going on with you guys? Oh, well, you know, we started dating. Well, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. I mean, you, well, how's, you know, well, actually, you know, I, I'm, I've struggled with, I struggle with this, you know, because sometimes you know, there's this temptation. It's like, oh, okay, well, let me pray for you. And then, so this spiritual person prays for you. Because you're not hiding anything. What happens when you hide something? <laughs> you hide something because you don't want it exposed in the light, right? Doesn't the darkness hate the light? The light hates the... I mean, the two are not compatible with each other. So that's why I say when you date, you know, do group outings. Not all the time, but do group outings. Let people, let people into your life. In fact, I would say this. If you're in college or young adult and you're dating someone, I would intentionally go to some kind of youth leader, life group leader, pastor, somebody, and say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know I'm dating so-and-so. and um, you know, Could you pray for me and, and maybe ask me some questions about how it's going with her or, or him? I mean, who does that? Who does that? But it's a good thing to do. I did it. I did it with Pastor William. I really did. And he helped me. <laughs> I wouldn't be married if he hadn't helped me, if I hadn't shared things with him. And he took an interest in me. He, he asked me questions. He, he pursued me. So, <clears throat> guys, the, the whole church thing, it's not like, oh, they're going to control me and tell me I can't do this. That's not. He didn't try to control me. He told me, he said, he said, look, John, you need, to, you need to call her up and go out on a date. That's what he said to me. It wasn't, it wasn't trying to control me. He was trying to push me <laughs> to go for it. So you don't need to fear people. Satan will tell you, oh, they're just trying to control you. I'm not trying to control anybody. Okay. Um, and also, when you're out on a date with somebody, I don't care how old you are, you should be talking about God on your date. Honestly, you should be telling your date what God did in your life that day, yesterday, the day before. That's radical, isn't it? Worldly dating, forget. I didn't care about God. 
But if you're a Christian, it's like, man, I can't believe, you know what happened to me the other day? I had this test I had to take, and I was, I was so pressured, and I tried studying, and this got sick, and, and they prayed for me at, at a life group, and, and God just gave me strength, and I did well, and I, I got an A on my test. That's, that's your date night. Isn't that cool? Then all of a sudden, you're like built up and you're encouraged. It's like, wow, this is great. And then you're, you're out on your little date night in your little restaurant enjoying yourselves. And one of you actually has the audacity to witness to a waiter or waitress. And now you're all excited because the Holy Spirit's filled you with boldness and power. We can actually do what Elder Sam has encouraged us to do and Don Sunshine and Jesus himself, right? Go make disciples of nations. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool to witness on your date? What a radical idea. I have to ask my wife out and go do it. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm winding down here. All right, so I typed something up for you. If you can open your bulletins. You should see the Ten Commandments of Dating. Yes, you have them. <laughs> They went, they went, I don't know if you have extra bulletins. If you don't have one, you can look at somebody's. But, um, you know, I thought, I'm just going to type this up because this is a reminder of what God wants us to do, right? He's the creator. I'm the little green Play-Doh. He makes the rules. I obey. He knows what's best for me because he loves me, Right? So now here are Ten Commandments. Number one, you should not lust with your eyes. Jesus said, hey, if you look at a woman the wrong way, you've committed adultery in your heart. Jesus said that. Commandment number two, don't do it. (laughs) It starts in your heart, and then what do you want to do? You want to act on it, don't you? Well, don't do it. Keep it out of your heart. So you won't have to worry about battling the temptation to act on it. You shall not defile the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does the Bible really say that? Yeah, it really does. Paul said, look, he said, stay away from sexual immorality. He said, if the body is joined with a prostitute, it's one with a prostitute. Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Okay, so, you know, I am what I am, you know, tall, skinny, a little ugly, but... um, (laughs) If you look at this person right here, inside of this person is who? I mean, Jesus Christ. And so when you look around at all these people here, so in your date, the the person you're dating, Jesus Christ lives in the person you're dating. So are you going to mess with God's temple? Is that what you want to do? No. That's the third commandment. Fourth one, you shall obey your mother and father. We already touched on that. Fifth one, you shall flee youthful lust. Just a reminder. Run. If you're in a compromising position, run. Get out of there. You shall only marry and hence date a born-again Christian. The Bible actually doesn't say you shall only date a Christian. It doesn't say that. Because they didn't date. There was no dating term in the Bible, right? It was, be, it was arranged marriages through the process of betrothal. The Bible only spoke about getting married because that's what you did. You got betrothed, which was a legal binding agreement that you were married. 
And then after the betrothal period, you consummated your marriage. Well, obviously by implication. Why are you going to get married to somebody that's a Christian, but you're going to date somebody that's a non-Christian? That doesn't make any sense. So you say, does the Bible really say to only marry a Christian? It actually does in 1 Corinthians 7.39. Paul said, look, if your spouse dies, you can get remarried. It's okay, but only to someone in the Lord, right? So if you're in the Lord, you're a born-again Christian. You love Jesus. I gave the definition of Christian a couple weeks ago. You shall have godly self-control. We talked about that. You shall not be jealous. You shall not be angry. You shall hide the word of God in your heart. So again, I just put together a little list to help remind us. Um, You know, put this in your Bible. Does anyone still actually carry a Bible made out of wood pulp? Use it as a bookmark in your Bible and actually look at it. And this is for everybody. And let it be a reminder to you to stay pure before God, right? That sounds good. Okay. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.